Previously on the ACT Report podcast. These are just ordinary people trying to access basic goods and services or report incidents of corruption and then get exploited and violated by the very systems that have been established and set up to protect them. The whistleblower was working at JDA as an executive manager, development implementation. He was running the unit where he holds the budget of JDA in terms of paying procured projects. If you don't pay us a bribe, you will then face criminal charges and will come to arrest you. Afterwards, the individuals who procure these become vulnerable to police exploitation. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Corruption Watch presents the Analysis of Corruption Trends Report. In the sixth edition of the Analysis of Corruption Trends Report, or the ACT Report as we call it, what remains evident is that corruption in South Africa is a scourge pervading every facet of people's lives. What the 1037 reports of corruption reveal that were received between the 1st of January and the end of June 2022 is that the endemic nature of graft is not only restricted to grand and political acts of corruption. Yet again, we learn through the testimony of ordinary people that corruption remains central to the abuse of fundamental human rights and that whistleblowing comes at a high price in South Africa in the absence of improvements to the current whistleblower mechanisms, policies and laws. It is no wonder that the recent report by the Auditor General of South Africa laments local municipalities for tens of billions of rands in irregular expenditure and that due to a shortage of skills and incompetence Communities do not receive the provision of basic services such as water and sanitation. But also, let us bear in mind that a recent report by the World Bank declared that South Africa is the most unequal society. The ACT report thus gives us an opportunity to grapple with some of the issues not necessarily as an indicator of how corrupt the country is but rather what the issues are at the grassroots level. Melusingala, Senior Researcher at Corruption Watch. In this edition of the ACT Report, my colleagues and I will be taking you through an account of corruption based on whistleblower complaints received by the organization in the first six months of 2022. Since the beginning of 2012 until the end of June 2022, the organization has received over 37,000 reports of corruption through our various channels, telephonically, online platforms, as well as walk-ins. 
The Act Report is a portrait of the stories which highlight the plight of public servants, professionals, the elderly, students, parents, patients, general laborers and more vulnerable groups such as women and children as well as people living with disabilities. Through their voices, we understand a little bit better what is happening in South African businesses, the police services, government departments and agencies, schools, hospitals and clinics, as well as communities at large. These accounts are told by brave whistleblowers for these are people who risk their lives and livelihoods in revealing the dodgy dealings of politicians, administrators and business persons. We sympathize and empathize with these people for the fight against the corrupt is laborious and fraught with danger. Our team of researchers, investigators, journalists and lawyers operate from our headquarters in Johannesburg, Bromfontein, with our satellite office being based in Cape Town. After processing the report of corruption based on our working definition of corruption, the abuse of entrusted power for personal gain, the team strategizes on what needs to be done. These interventions range from conducting research studies and analyses to doing select investigations for exposés or advocating for legal reform and behavioral changes. It depends what the problem is and how widespread it is. The ACT report therefore presents us with such an opportunity where we, you and us, can assess what the struggles are and work together to bring about change. Unlike last time, the data is presented a little differently and that is because we are constantly working on improving our understanding of corruption. And more importantly, we are taking feedback on the work that we do from you as our main stakeholder. So, what have we learned from the period under review? From the total number of reports received, more than three-fifths relate to corruption in the public sector, while the private sector counts for a quarter of the reports received. Looking at the sectors together, the most prevalent forms of corruption are fraud, which includes the payment of ghost workers and the falsification of documents in recruitment and procurement processes, counts for 35%. Abuse of authority, which includes the victimization of whistleblowers as well as violence, counts for 17%. Maladministration, which includes the mismanagement of resources as well as wasteful and fruitless expenditure, counts for 17%. Bribery and extortion, which includes sextortion, counts for 16%. And procurement irregularities, which includes the payment of kickbacks and flouting of processes, counts for 15%. Looked at apart, the most general forms of corruption in the private sector are fraud counting for 56% and 
and maladministration which counts for 25%. In the public sector, the top forms of corruption are abuse of authority which is at 21%, bribery and extortion which is also at 21%, procurement irregularities is at 20% and dereliction of duty is at 19%. These corrupt practices occur in all corners of the country. But the highest number of allegations of wrongdoing are received from Gauteng province which counts for 43%, Western Cape counts for 9%, while KwaZulu-Natal and Limpopo count for 8% apiece. The focus areas that are most affected as told by whistleblowers are policing which includes the South African police services, local police and private security which counts for 8%, education, which primarily relates to corruption in schools, counts for 6%, and the construction industry, which involves acts of corruption in departments of public works, as well as infrastructure development companies, counts for 5%. Once again, when we look at corruption trends that exclusively pertain to the public sector. The most implicated areas are corruption in the police, which counts for 11%, corruption in the education sector, which counts for 9%, and corruption in state-owned enterprises, which counts for 6%. Meanwhile, in relation to the private sector, legal and financial firms count for 8% of corruption cases, and health providers as well as mining companies count for 4% apiece. However, 28% of graft reports received relate to an assortment of companies and industries. Worth noting in this regard is that these are entities that are generally implicated in scrap metal illegal activity as well as fraudulent temporary employer-employee relief scheme claims. I've talked to a couple of my colleagues who are part of the legal and investigations as well as the communications teams. My name is Kwasi Zamene and I'm an investigative journalist. My name is Zanele Mwale. I am Corruption Watch Senior Investigator. Kwasi and Sizan's positions require them to work directly with whistleblowers and through their relentless search for the truth, they are required to demand answers from persons implicated in acts of corruption. Recently, Kwasi's zeal and expertise were invested in a coastal province of the Republic, a troubling region for its harrowing accounts of corruption. With good reason, Kwasi became increasingly interested in the ongoings in the Eastern Cape province. I've always had problems with getting answers from those involved. And it came at a time where I think you might remember the Inokumkijima municipality when they unveiled a 15 million football stadium, which looked like it could have cost way less than that. And also within weeks of that, there was a story in Alfred Nzo municipality, also in the Eastern Cape, whereby people were crossing a Cape Bridge with a coffin because the river was flooded and they couldn't cross because they have no other alternatives. I felt like it was time for me to try and shine light on what's been happening on the province. 
Nationally, 23% of the corruption cases that Corruption Watch received in the first half of the year relate to local government. Three of the top four municipalities are in Gauteng province, namely City of Johannesburg that we discussed in the previous edition leads with 36% of complaints. KwaZulu-Natal-based Metro Eteguini Metropolitan Municipality is second with 27% of complaints. It is followed by the capital city of Tuane, which counts for 21% of complaints and city of Ekurileni counts for 16% of complaints received. What we have learned is that procurement irregularities is one of the main corruption problems plaguing government. The Auditor General reports attest to this fact with only 16% of 230 municipalities receiving clean audits. The whistleblower complaint that Quasi dealt with highlights a corruption incident which led to the Department of Cooperative Governance and the Traditional Affairs and short Kokta looking at what happened. The whistleblower came to us after exhausting other avenues with no success. The incident happened at Emalashen local municipality. Municipal manager was involved in regular expenditure of more than 60 million. Kokta instituted an investigation and a report was completed, but the public could not have access to it and other officials of the municipality could not have access to it. The reason the report was not released was because it was implicating some of the senior members of the municipality, including the mayor. The municipal manager, Mr. Stembele Vatala, gave irregular contracts to companies and some of their contracts had ended, but the municipal manager renewed them for no work done. And other companies received monies from the municipality without doing any work for the municipality. One project I remember was for a construction of a road in one of the villages. It was a road going into the village. They didn't finish that project. So the municipality had to get another contractor to finish the job. And the contractor didn't do any work on that road, but they still received the payment from the municipality. So the whistleblower was supposed to be part of the team that was investigating the matter, but he was kicked out of the team before the investigation started. You would think that the loss of 60 million rand in two years in an impoverished community would make people pause. And with the finding of a report placing the blame squarely on senior individuals, there would be accountability. But apparently not so. Those in power, they don't care about corruption until such time where it's going to affect them personally because the municipal manager at Emalashen resigned when the investigation was underway and he managed to get a job as a municipal manager in the Western Cape. It always happens that when someone is under investigation, they leave that place of employment and go to another, especially with municipalities and government. And once they do that, nothing happens to them. They continue working like everything is fine and there are no consequences. What about law enforcement? Uh, yes, there was an investigation by the hoax. I had a chat with one person from the hoax. He said to me that their issue was there's an affidavit that is still with the treasury in Eastern Cape that they are supposed to receive before they can implement charges against those involved, but they are not getting that affidavit. If the lack of accountability 
concerned you in that particular case. Just as worrying, if not more, are allegations of dereliction of duty in a school in the northwest province. Cizanne dealt with a whistleblower case that boggles the mind. The name of the school is called Retief Primary School. One of the members from Maditlokwa community contacted Corruption Watch, alleging corruption that is happening in the school. Uh, mine approached the municipality and the Department of Mineral and Energy to mine next to the school. Apparently, DMR and the municipality agreed that the mining company called Tarisa can operate next to the school. The distance between the mining operation and the school is less than a kilo. When you're outside the school gate, you are able to see the mining dump. When we enter the school gate, you are welcomed by a big crack on the wall. In almost all the classes and also on the floor, there are a lot of cracks. Some of the cracks, you can be inside and be able to see outside. We were told that they are blasting almost every day, even during school's hours. When they are blasting, the teachers ask the kids to lie under the desks to avoid injuries. And also the community told us that they experienced flying rocks. So you see how dangerous it is. It would appear that none of the persons with authority are troubled by the possibility of learners and staff becoming injured or losing their lives. Even the presentation of evidence as well as testimony failed to move them. The SGP of the school, they have meetings all the time and they know what's happening in the school. But one, why they don't report the matter to the department. Secondly, the principal of the school, they see the condition of the school, but why they don't report it to the department. Maybe twice or three times per year, the inspector of the school visits the school, but why they don't intervene and stop the operation of the mining company or close the school until this issue is resolved. Seeing that since 2012, until the end of 2021, Corruption Watch has received almost 4,000 reports of corruption relating to schools and tertiary institutions, as noted in our sectoral report looking at the education sector. I was curious to know why this case stood out for Cizan. After all, she has investigated a number of allegations relating to abuse of authority, misappropriation of resources, and maladministration in various institutions of learning. It doesn't have the elements of corruption that we used to investigate, but it has a different element where the principal and the department and the SGP members fail to act to stop what is happening. As much as we are moved by these acts of corruption that tens of thousands of people bring to us, we appreciate the difficulty of their circumstances and the dire consequences of their bravery. My colleagues elaborate. He, he blows his job for blowing the whistle with his family. Of course, he was the breadwinner. He's now unemployed. At that time, when we spoke, he also told me that he was receiving death threats 
especially for leaking the report to the public. They raised the issue with DMR, they raised the issue with the school, they raised the issue within the community, but it looks like no one is coming forward to assist them. They also wish to impart some wisdom. The whistleblowers are protected by law. They mustn't shy away and they mustn't be scared in reporting any corruption that is happening in their uh, communities. Of course, blowing the whistle is always the right thing to do, considering the state of affairs in South Africa. I would also advise them to do more research before they embark on that journey, because it can be quite difficult and draining financially and emotionally. It is a training journey, it's demanding, and it's going to need a lot of your time, and it's a big risk. Though at times we may feel overwhelmed, for corruption pervades every facet of our lives, we cannot let up. Transparency, accountability and good governance are pivotal principles that we need to keep in mind at all times as we strive to build a corrupt-free society. Let us take heart from the people who blow the whistle on wrongdoing every day, even though they often come to Corruption Watch as a last resort. Their bravery should encourage us all to rally against the corrupt as well as systemic practices that pose a threat to our vision of building a just, equal and prosperous nation. Beyond the figures that we internalize, that is what this report should encourage us to do, to act against injustice, to act against inequality and to act against corrupt practices. Thank you for joining us for the research edition of the Corruption Watch podcast. For more on the ACT report, campaigns and projects, and if you wish to report corruption, you can visit our website at www.corruptionwatch.org.za or you can give us a call at 011-242-3900. Or you can WhatsApp us at 082-579-5220. Hashtag my hands are clean.